brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Sports Radio Update starts now. Wrapping up the day in sports, I'm Jeff Nathans, and we start with golf. The 100th edition of the PGA Championship goes to Brooks Kepka. He finishes 16 under par thanks to a final round of 66. Tiger Woods, remember him? He finished in second place by himself. A final round of 64, including a birdie on 18. Tigers back. Adam Scott was third in St. Louis in that event. Major League Baseball, this final just into NBC Sports Radio. Athletics over the Angels, 8-7 the final. So Oakland's win combined with the Astros lost in 10 innings to the Mariners, 4-3. Means the Oakland Amazing A's are only three games behind the Houston Astros in the American League West. Jed Lowry, a home run for Oakland in that one, his 18th of the year. National League West, Rockies beat the Dodgers 4-3. A walk-off walked it for the Rockies. That means they had the bases loaded. The Dodgers walked the next hitter. The Rockies got the win. They win it 4-3. Charlie Blackman, a home run, is 22nd of the season. Padres beat the Phillies 9-3. What a day for Freddie Galvis. Set on the 2-2, big pitch. High fly ball to deep center field. At the wall. Car rushed. Ball going. Ball long gone. A grand slam for the former Philadelphia Phil, Freddie Galvis. How about that guy? What a pickup. What a player. Philadelphia taking back in a heartbeat. That's simply huge. It's simply 5-0 my Padres in the third inning. And the Padres would go on to win 9-3. The call there on the Padres radio network. Philadelphia with the loss now tried with the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. Diamondbacks beat the Reds 9-2. They've got a one-game lead over the Dodgers in the NL West. Coming up in just about five minutes, the Washington Nationals take on the Chicago Cubs. This is NBC Sports Radio. This is KCAA. Every day is a great day at KCAA Radio. August 10th is National Shapewear Day. This day has been a long-standing, important, and at times essential article of clothing that has built confidence and poise for centuries. National Shapewear Day celebrates the history, current trends, and continued use and evolution of body-shaping garments. Shapewear has become barely recognizable from the constricting, cumbersome, and impractical garments worn by our predecessors. Shapewear has evolved to meet the varied and sophisticated needs of today's modern society and is created from some of the most advanced materials available. Constructed of breathable, flexible, and durable fabric, shapewear comes in almost any style and shape that essentially is custom fit for anyone looking to add a garment to their wardrobe. Today's shapewear is so versatile and practical, it smooths and supports even the most stubborn spots of the body. Whatever the occasion, shapewear will always have you covered. For KCAA NBC Radio, I'm Andrew Caravella, and this has been The More You Know. Are you drowning in IRS tax debt? I owe the IRS $37,000. Get ready for a toll-free hotline. Take advantage of new IRS tax forgiveness programs that may protect you from IRS collection agencies. They have the power to garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and levy your bank account. 
Civic Tax Relief can help protect you from the IRS. Civic Tax Relief basically represented me against the IRS, and by the time everything was completed, I didn't know the IRS anything. Find out about the Fresh Start program that is now available through Civic Tax Relief. Civic Tax Relief's special tax hotline can help you discover all the relief programs available for free. I would recommend anyone who has a tax problem to contact Civic Tax Relief. Just call 800-955-8408. 800-955-8408. Don't wait. Call now. 800-955-8408. 800-955-8408. This segment of broadcasting brought to you by Tender Hearts TLC Incorporated. Tender Hearts, the helping hands for your loved ones, where they understand it can be difficult to find time in your already busy schedule to attend to all the needs of your aging loved one. Tender Hearts will be there for your loved one when you can't be. Tender Hearts TLC helps your aging loved ones stay in their home as they specialize in tender, loving, 24-hour service, including transportation to doctor's appointments, medication reminders, meal preparation, light housekeeping, and assistance with activities of daily living such as hygiene and grooming, orientation, and companionship. We thank Tender Hearts for their support of this station, Tender Hearts TLC, where they don't just care for your loved one, they give them tender, loving care. For more info, you can reach them at 909-528-9759. That's 909-528-9759 for Tender Hearts TLC. News, weather, and talk on KCAA 102.3 FM, broadcasting to the Moreno Valley, Corona, and Riverside. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Justice Watch with Attorney Zulu Ali. I'm Michael Bilal Clark with the rest of the Justice Watch crew. Rosa Nunez and Dr. Akil Bashir sitting in for Attorney Zulu Ali. This week, like every week, we'll be discussing important and critical issues affecting our communities. This week, we'll expand our discussion on the plight of our youth and the recent comments made by our President Donald Trump in regards to LeBron James. Today joining us on the show um, by way of phone, we have Mr. Edward Henderson. Um, and just to give you a little bit about Mr. Henderson, after earning a football scholarship to the University of California, Berkeley, and playing three years of college football, Edwin decided to transfer back to Southern California where he earned a BA um, degree in psychology uh, from the California University Dominguez Hills with a minor in sociology. In December 2017, uh, Mr. Henderson graduated with a master's degree in leadership and organizational management from Azusa Pacific University. After working for several nonprofits and gaining a great deal of nonprofit management experience and knowledge in social service industries, he later decided uh, to make a difference in his community in which he grew up founding On a Mission in December 2003. On a Mission is an after-school program for youth ages 12 through 17, which provide kids with positive activities during after-school hours when youth violence is at its highest. In the early years, Edwin worked hard in creating and building the infrastructure of his organization from the ground up. To date, with very little resources, no formal grant writing experience or training, Edwin has successfully written over $350,000 in grants for at-risk and foster youth service programs. And we would like to welcome you and we thank you for joining us here on Justice Watch today. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Um, over the course of the last f few weeks, you know, we've been actually addressing the issues of um, the plate of our youth in terms of um, our youth leadership and whether or not as an adult we have failed or we are failing our youth and in regards to lead, leading them down a positive in, uh, direction. And I can remember back, you know, in the early years when me and you first encountered each other back at Dorsey High, you know, we had a goal, we had a mission to try to change the, the plight of our youth. You know, there was a disproportionate amount of youth that was actually being incarcerated and there was really no resources for them. And I think, you know, from that point up until today's date, you know, um, 
I can't say whether or not um, the plight of the, our youth has actually gotten better or whether it gotten worse. But what I would like to first start off by uh, saying that is um, I would like to ask you a few questions, and one of them being is that what motivated you to start on a mission? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. Um, what what motivated me to start on a mission was, uh, as you as you read in my bio, um, I, I worked after college. I worked for several nonprofit organizations. I worked with um, a lot of uh, for a lot of different programs. I was a case manager um, down on Skid Row. I worked with um, men and women that were. Um, rehabilitating um, back into society. Uh, I've worked with homeless. Uh, I've worked with uh, mental health. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of different, in a lot of different aspects of social services. And one thing that I, I saw was um, you had a lot of men and women that were um, doing the same things at 20 or at, at 30, 40 and 50 years old that were do, that they were doing in their teens and in their 20s. Um, you had a lot of people that, well, I saw a lot of people that I was trying to help um, weren't interested in really changing. Um, they were kind of going through programs because they had to, uh, going through programs because their parole officer or it was, it was a condition of their parole. And um, I was, you know, I was uh, testing people dirty. Um, you know, doing a lot of things that for people that I was encountering that really didn't want to change. So um, that kind of motivated me to work with the younger group, um, to work with our youth. They're a little, they're a little bit more easier to mold. They're just now starting to experiment with drugs. Um, they're just now starting to kind of experience experience gangs, and you know, doing some of the things that they shouldn't be doing, as opposed to people who've been doing it 20, 30, 40 years, and they're still doing the same thing. So um, working with the older population kind of uh, motivated me to work with the younger population because I saw people, I saw the older population doing the same thing that they were doing, uh, and they were content doing those things, um, the same thing that they were doing in their teens and 20s, coming in and out of jail, going back to jail, violating their parole, um, doing the same things that they were doing. So. Uh, I wanted to try to work with the youth uh, because I felt that that uh, they have their whole life ahead of them and a good time to try to detour um, some behaviors is to catch it with, when it first starts. Yeah, in its early stages, so to speak. It's early stages, right. Yeah, um, you know, um, you know um, when we look back you know, at our youth, you know, the first place of learning, of course, is the home. You know, and a lot of a lot of our inner city youth, they come from a broken home and and they they come out and, you know, if, if single parent homes, you know, I'm not saying anything that uh, as, as far as against uh, mothers, because I believe mothers actually raise uh, good children as well as fathers as well. But I think that the, the child actually grows up a little bit unbalanced without both parents at home. And a lot of times just have an effect upon their growth and their development, you know. Um, and so I used to say, you know, that there's, there's a couple of things that, that is the killer of our youth. And I've always said that the killer of our youth is boredom and peer pressure. Because I think one of the things that our youth do is they get so caught up in themselves, they want to stay at home or, you know, they play the video games. And after a while, that gets boring. And once that gets born, you know, they make that phone call to their friend or somebody and, and say, hey, you want to go hang out? And it wind up, they wind up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, yeah. And that's when the peer pressure comes in. And that's when the bullying come in. And when I look at our yeah. youth nowadays, one of the things that really stands out to me is they, our youth is faced um, with all these different variables. They're faced with all these different challenges. And sometimes they can't live up to these challenges, so they fall short. And one of the questions was whether or not as adults are we failing our youth or are we giving them what they need in order for them to be productive leaders? Um, you know what? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of believe that um, in regards to the youth, um, I personally feel that um, a lot is being done, but more can be done. Um, I feel that 
you know, you have a lot of um, professionals and a lot of um, people who have uh, become successful that have gone through a similar situation. But, you know, um, I don't personally, I don't believe enough of them are giving back. And it's not mm-hmm. just about money. It, it could just be your time. Um, you know, one thing I, about young people is that um, they're very impressionable and, um, you know, they they gravitate, you know, towards, um, you know, someone showing them showing them love, um, someone showing them some attention, hanging out with them, doing doing positive things and keeping them engaged. Um, so I, I definitely feel uh, that more can be done. Um, you know, there's a saying that says each one teach one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that if, if if everyone gave back, and it's not just money, um, mm-hmm. just give back your time. Um, I think that that could have a lasting impact on young people. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's a lack of resources for our youth? Um. I mean, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. Um, th- there's a lot of, uh, of resources out there, uh, but there aren't enough. Um, for some programs, I know that you have to have certain qualifications. And if you don't have, you know, if you're not, um, you know, you know, dirt poor, making, you know, $8,000 a year, um, mm-hmm. you don't qualify for some, some services, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, may... Um, you know, exclude those who might be right above those those um, those cutoff cutoff uh, you know whatever the cutoff criteria is. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think there could be more more research sources for youth. Um, I, you know, I don't think that there is enough. I, I think there are some out there, uh, but but there there aren't enough. Um, and and like I said, for some of the, the programs and resources that are out there. Um, you may not, some of the youth may not meet certain criteria that are required for some of those programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember the earlier stages when I first got started off, one of the things that I wanted to do with you, all I wanted to do was speak to them. And that's how right. I that's how I ended up meeting you up in Dorsey High, is that yeah. I was trying to, you know, just basically go inside of these junior high schools and these high schools and speak to the youth and share my experience with them with hopes that it would be able to curve them from going down the same path that I went down. Right. But, right. you know, that what led me to the junior high schools and stuff like that was the fact that it was very difficult for me to start a program. Um, right. And actually, a lot of junior high schools and high school actually turned me around. Dorsey was one mm-hmm. of the high schools that was only one of the only high schools that actually accepted that I come in and talk to the youth. But then after right. that, that's what led me to start uh, uh, my youth program, which um, I right. appreciate your assistance with. Uh, you've been very influential in helping me establish that. Um, I think that that when we look at a lot of our youth, would they say, you know, the statistics prove that 60% of African Americans uh, will graduate. Four out of 10 will actually drop out before graduation. And and we might look at that number as being, you know, um, I mean, that's a high number to me, you know, and I think that we as individuals have a lot more work that we can do. And I think one of the questions is, is how do we motivate our adults to be more involved with, with our youth? Um, you know, I, I think, a lot, like, like you said, um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, you said that you got, you know, you got a lot of uh, runaround, you know, some schools gave you some runaround. Um, I think a lot of people uh, don't really know how they can get started um, with uh, impacting youth. Um, I think it takes a lot of programs. It takes programs like yours and programs like mine to kind of uh, open the door for people to come and volunteer their time 
volunteer their resources. Um, it, it, it takes people like, like you and I who have youth programs uh, or who are closely affiliated with youth, youth programs to kind of let other people know that, hey, um, this is how you can give back. This is how you can contribute. Um, because a lot of people, I think, just don't know they want to. Um, a lot of people have the heart to want to do something and want to help out in some kind of way. They just don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I think it, it takes people like you, you and I um, and people who are affiliated uh, with you to uh, maybe invite someone to come down and, hey, you know, would you mind talking to some young men that, that I work with or some young, young women that I work with uh, about what you do or about uh, your career or come talk about your experience with gangs or your experience with drugs or um, your, your professional career. Um, come and talk about what you do. Um, and and um, I think that that's one of the things that, that can be done to kind of provide more uh, avenues for, for youth. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to pull this question to the doc, you know, because we talked about this, you know, extensively in terms of, you know, um, us as adults failing our youth. I mean, you know, we often talk about the problem, but we never talk about the solution to the problem. I mean, looking at our plight of our youth today, Doc, um, what would you say the solution would be to, you know, to try to educate our youth and, and, and make leaders out of them? Well, first of all, um, always good to be on the show. Uh, I thank the brother for the work he's doing, and uh, we need many more like him and you uh, who are on the ground. Uh, we have to be on the ground. Uh, let's look at this, uh, you know, historically. First of all, one of the major problems is we're not meeting our youth in their normality. When we step to our youth to uh, design system-driven approaches, it's usually from the perspective of an adult, an elder coming in, et cetera. Regardless of what you feel about what the youth is doing, you have got to meet their normality. You have got to let them know that you understand, whether you agree or not, with where they're going, what they're doing, et cetera. We have a systemic problem with our youth, and if we don't understand there are systems inherently which are causing our youth to be misdirected, misunderstood, and uh, self-destructive, then we're going to defeat the purpose. We, 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 and you said it well, uh, Brother Bilal, we put Band-Aids on because we want to attack the symptoms, but we don't want to deal with the root cause. Mm -hmm. Now, we have short-term root causes and long-term root causes, but when you consider the average black um, American uh, and the average Latino uh, American boy drop out of the uh, educational system in the fourth through the sixth grade. That is because our educational system is not giving them the tools to define a reality in which they feel comfortable with. We fundamentally have to have the three R's. We all know that to survive in any society, arithmetic, reading, uh, etc. But if I'm not giving empowering tools, if I'm not giving that young boy or that young girl the ability to see their greatness and give them a path to get there, uh, what's going to happen is they are going to turn off the system. Mm -hmm. We have an educational system that is basically reinforcing a westernized European concept of success. And when we look at the people of color, and this is why your programs that deal with cultural awareness, this is why your programs that deal with um, out-of-the-box um, concepts in terms of uh, marginalized communities, etc., are so important. When we go in and start a youth program, we've been in Alley School District, We've had 17 schools that have been under our belt. We developed a manhood and womanhood programs. Our manhood woman was called FIRM, Fathers uh, Involved in Refining Males. We had to not only teach them uh, the, the skill sets and tools to survive educationally, but we had to teach them the skill sets and tools to survive culturally. We had to teach them mm -hmm. the skills and the tools to survive individually. And when we look at the marginalized communities of color, we also have got to deal with the tools that are uh, suppressing from a uh, from a um, uh, uh, from an ethnic perspective of uh, where they're at, where they're going, etc. Lastly, when you think about the 
charter schools that have moved in uh, to the forum. You've got profit schools now that are basically directing the educational system based on the profit that they will receive for every mm-hmm. youth they turn out. We've got a different dynamic. When you look at most African-American schools, when you look at most Latino schools that was birthed from the community, you see tremendous growth. You see tremendous success because those schools inherently know that I've got to teach the personal skills of survival uh, to these young adults. If the young adult has no hope, if the young adults have no vision for success, if the young adults have no roadmap on how Mm -hmm. to get there, guess what? They're going to define their own directional sheet and follow that. That's what we've had. And lastly, we as supposed elders, fathers, administrators, etc., we need to clearly understand that we need to be creating succession plans that our youth can follow. We want to hold on to the mantra and say, do this our way. There is different generational uh, thinking processes on board. So our youth, we should be teaching them how to replace us and giving them the skills to do that. We want them to be better than what we were in the process. And as they uh, create that eldership within their own right we want uh their successionary group coming behind them to be better than what they are we've got this dang thing mixed we think we need to hold on to power to find what that power looks like and try to try to uh, maneuver that power as long as we can every time we engage a youth we should be devising a replacement plan for ourselves, where that youth has the skills the tools the wherewithal the discipline to be able to be in that successionary um ability and replace us hmm well said well said um it was well said you know when i look back at the educational curriculum now and i think we was talking about it earlier you know um back when i was growing up there was a lot of skills and stuff that was offered you know in junior high school and high school you know i can remember going to wood shop i can remember had all the bodies you know all of these different types of programs that was offered that would actually allow our youth to have some type of program some type of skill set once they actually, uh, you know, graduate from high school. So it wasn't it wasn't difficult for yeah. them to go into the workforce and get a job for themselves. You know, even yes. the summer school programs, you know, they were able to actually go out and get some type of, you know, uh, employment. You and, know? You, and you know what the, those were, Bilal? Those were options. If I couldn't fit into the mainstream educational structure, I had options to where I could go in a different direction and achieve my degree of success. Those options have been removed, Mm -hmm. and it's only one dynamic that most of these youth uh, have to operate from, and if they don't fit in that system, they're going to fall out. So blueprints to answer your question, replicatable templates and directional paths to show our youth where they need to go and to listen to our youth and make sure we know where they want to go. You know, it's amazing, but most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to be heard. Mm -hmm. So we don't even listen to our youth because we're so ready to spill what they need to do and where they need to go. Right, right, right. You know, one of the things that... um uh, I see that you do, uh, Mr. Henderson, is that you often take um, some of the youth on field trips. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I incorporated into my program, whether I was taking them deep sea fishing along with you. Um, you actually invited <laughs> us out that one time to take us deep sea fishing along with you and your program, as well as, you know, hiking and, and um, doing other things that take them outside the confounds of their community. Because I think right. one of the things that um, our youth have a tendency to, uh, they can't see beyond the walls of where they, you know, their environment. That's right. They can't see anything right, beyond right. that. So what happens is when we take them out to these different places, it allowed them to see something totally different. Therefore, it opens the, uh, opens them up to dream a little bigger. Because, you know, I mean, if you confine to this one little hood for, you know, all your life and, you know, yeah, you're mm. in an economically mm-hmm. deprived environment and your mother can't afford to take you outside the confines of your community, your only reality is what you see and so um, what are some of the program what are some of the things that I mean you do in terms with the youth and taking them out oh man um, man Mike we've been, we've been doing this so long man um, like you said I mean you hit the nail on the head I mean uh, we, we just got back we took uh, 22 kids to Beijing China man uh, in April and we just came back um, and then in 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 um, October, we're, we're going to we're doing an HBCU college tour, um, 
to uh, some colleges in some uh, historically black colleges in the uh, Atlanta area and also Alabama. But, um, you know, it's so important. You know, you have a lot of young people, like you said, man, um, they are losing their lives uh, over a neighborhood. They're, they're, they're fighting, killing each other over a, right. a block, a city block that they don't even own. Um, you know, you have, if you have young people that are exposed to, you know, the only people that they see um, that are successful are, you know, the dude who who's driving the Escalade or, or whatever he's driving and he's, he's got, you know, the sack of dope and he's got money in his pocket. And, you know, for a lot of kids, um, that mm-hmm. might of us have something that we can we can uh, reach back and, mm-hmm. and um, give back to the youth. So it's just very important, man. You know what I, I don't find, know if I answered your question, but it's, it's very important. Oh, yes. And, and you know what I find uh, very disturbing is that um, I oftentimes give the youth this, like, these three questions. And one of the questions that, well, a couple of questions that is asked is, like, um, what do you see yourself in the, in the next few years? And um, who is your role model and things of that nature? And when it comes down to who is your role model, it's always somebody outside the mother or the father. You know, I mean, you know, normally you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think that normally you should have a child to say, I look up to my parents. I look up to my moms or my dad. But, you know, it's always the it's always the LeBron, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant. Or, and not saying that that's something, you know, uh, for them. Or that's a role model that's bad for them. But I think that. It says something about the culture of our youth growing up where they can't reflect back upon who it was that gave them birth or who it was that gave them guidance, if their guidance was ever there, you know. And I think for the most part, you know, um, single parents' home is, man, I mean, it's, you know, just a... I mean, just the numbers in regards to how many single-parent families it is, 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 uh, I think it's a, a crisis within itself. Um, right. And so, the, you know, our youth grow up, you know, they grow up in, you know, um, they, dysfunctional homes, you know, they grow up in homes that is not complete. And so, therefore, you know, um, their role models is somebody like you say, it could be rat bone down the street. It can be, you know, it could be Kobe, but the great majority of the time, if you're living in the inner city, it's always somebody that's, that's probably a, a, as a negative, you know, rather than a positive. Um, right. But that's why, can I, can I jump in on that, Brother Lau? One of the reasons why you see that is because by nature, by human nature, we want to envision what we think success is. And when you look at what goes on in so many black, brown uh, communities, which are so marginalized, we're talking about individuals that are severely traumatized. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the artificial concept of trauma that you get out of the, 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 the sociology or the psychology book. I'm talking about individuals that have been scarred from birth. Mm-hmm. And if you start off with an imbalance, that imbalance is only going to grow greater if my external geographic area, if my peer structure, mm-hmm. and if my community does have the, doesn't have the equitable services to give me some type of balance. Mm-hmm. So we... Uh, falsely seem to think, especially our youth, that real success is wealth. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I attribute that success to people who are wealthy, athletes, entertainers, etc. And that's what I strive to be because I have not been given a directional path. Mm -hmm. Through my trauma, I'm imbalanced in terms of psychological imbalance as well as to some degree physical imbalance. And then more importantly, my hope is is, is, uh, fractured. So I really don't have 
have a game plan of, of, of where that I need to go. And then when I see the athlete or the entertainer mm-hmm. with the cards, with the money, it seems like that artificial everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's where my direction and attachment is going to be. And right. if I don't have somebody to come in and counterbalance that, show me other options, mm-hmm. that, that concept that I want to reach with that is going to get bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. Same thing with the homie uh, in the, the OG in the gangs, the shooter, uh, the one that used to push the drugs to the community. These people all gave me that artificial glimmer of, of, of hope. Now, look, and we all know I'm not saying every one of our youth ascribe to this, but if it's a, general, a generality, if there is a prototype where uh, so many of the youth are following because there's nothing else, uh, that is the end result and that is the normality that we're stepping in time and time again whether we like it or not until we deal with that trauma especially Mm -hmm. if you got street trauma involved now you got compound trauma until we deal with that lack of hope until we deal with that ability for them uh, children to see some degree of greatness we are going to be dealing with fractured people for the rest of their life you know it's amazing to me most people die at 25 but they live to be 65 Mm. <laughs> There's mm. never that you stop at this point because you haven't gotten a blueprint, and that's why important like uh, important programs like what you're doing, like the brothers doing, like what I'm doing, are so essential. We're not looking to be patted on the back. We're looking to make sure that we give these uh, individuals uh, some blueprints that they can follow to to where they can at least have some type of roadmap on how right. to achieve a level of greatness that will give them the ability to say they've triumphed to some degree in this in this thing called life mm, indeed indeed and, and often you say oftentimes we look at it and we say that the individuals is searching for that identity yes you know they have yes. no identity so they search yes. for identity so in in other words they just grab so to you know what they see as a as as something that they they might want they, they don't necessarily might want to become that but like you say they just equate it to success that's as that's all is there right. and that's all they have to grab on to um, and I would like to get uh, Rosie in on this this, this this matter here and see what she has to say about it. Yeah, well, I was actually going to comment about, you know, the fact that it's true. I feel like as youth, we're very, nowadays, we're very um, influenced by the people who we see. The people who we see in TV, the people who we see on videos, the rappers, the, the celebrities and all of that. And I feel like until we change this kind of perception of youth as criminals, as, you know, people, youth that are growing up in communities that have low IQs, Um, uh, you know students that are not motivated I think that's something that needs to be addressed in order for us to 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 really see the the root of the problem because I feel like um, there is this perception of minorities and youth growing up in low-income communities as being um, individuals who are not capable of becoming someone successful in life and we see that you know through our government officials through the the commentary Mm -hmm. that is seen in TV in the media itself how they use different uh, kind of uh, words and connotative uh, phrases mm-hmm. to kind of depict mm-hmm. a, a, a specific youth as a thug or as a criminal when, you know, sometimes what they're trying to do is kind of try, trying to scream out what's really happening in their communities and, you know, say that it's it's really, you know, it deals with education, it deals with so many other problems and until we don't really see, we don't pay attention to all of those problems that that bring about, you know, these these lack of um, students performing well in school, lack of students, you know, this students engaging in 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 going to prisons and all of that. We're not going to see a change because, like you said, we're 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 not we're talking this the symptoms, but not the root of the problem. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the root of the problem sometimes comes from home, you know, from dysfunctional homes. Mm-hmm. You grow up seeing, you know, uh, you grow up with a fatherless. With, with with not having a father and that affects you and a lot of the times we have this educational system that 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 has this kind of lack of accountability where mm-hmm. we have these teachers trying to meet these quotas of you know mm-hmm. trying to kind of teach their students certain material and trying to get them to there to that level and not really paying attention to their background and, and as much as they want to get engaged in trying to understand why the student is failing they are unable to do so because this is systematic yeah. you know exactly. they are systematically kind of um, motivated to, to not really partake in that part of the students' sure. lives. And I feel like
like until we really delve into that and until we're really um, paying attention to what really goes behind schools, what really goes behind that news article of that, you know, individual, that young man that's going to prison, I think things are not going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. You know, you, yeah, you said a lot, Rosa, because they put me, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, in, in regards to, you know, even the school issue, you know, school don't, you know, they're not equipped to handle some of these youth that come through there now. They don't even know how to deal with them, you know. You got a youth that, that, that you know, that's been parentless, you know, um, you know, for the great majority of their life, and, you know, and they don't understand, you know, uh, you know, this they don't understand the youth as an individual. They can only just teach the youth, you know, the math or or the or the English or or the reading or whatever that. But they don't know why the child is acting out. And the first the first response to them acting out is okay, let's suspend them or let's kick yeah. them out of school, which is not which is not a, a solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that. How many individuals that they see that go out and commit all of these crimes in schools and shoot them up, and then they want to bring in the counselors after. The fact well yeah. you didn't pay attention to them before the fact that's right so that's, that's why right. you know so bring the counselors in before the fact rather than after the fact but i think it goes it, it goes so deep when we're dealing with with our youth you know and another thing that you touched on that we've been discussing for for quite some times you know and and, and that is being that um, we have to call it like we see it, as you would say, Doc. And you know, we have to call these individuals out, whether mm-hmm. these entertainers out that's actually doing certain mm-hmm. things, that's actually having these effect on our on our youth. You know, whether they like it or not, they're in the public eye, and the youth is is actually paying attention to them. And so you have the rappers that is misguiding our youth. We have the actors that is misguiding our youth. And all around, everybody is, you know, misguiding our youth. And we mm-hmm. have to start holding them accountable. And then when we do have athletes, and, and, and the other point that I want to bring up is when we do have athletes that we that actually doing something positive, like we just saw the issue with LeBron James in the school and stuff like that. That was, you know, that made me a fan. You know, when I saw everything that he did with the school, you know, that made me a fan. I just saw that uh, Kevin Hart uh, uh, basically donated 600000 you know, to the uh, HBCU, mm-hmm. you know, for 18 kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. And then T.I. came back, and he's rebuilding his own community. But these are not the type of stories that we often see put up on the news media. These are the type of things that we should see because these are the types of things that actually motivates our youth, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Um, Mr. Henderson, <laughs> yes, I know you've been sitting back listening. How you feel about some of the stuff we talked about, man? Man, uh, everybody is uh, really touching on some, um, you know, very important points. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's so much that can be said, man. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, negativity going on and a lot of... Um, you know, there are a lot of celebrities that, um, you know, have a platform to do more, um, but maybe not necessarily doing more. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think, I think we've, I, I think we've come a long ways, um, but a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more still needs to be done. Um, like you said, when I, when I first met you, um, and I don't know how many years ago that was, um, you know, have things gotten better or have things gotten worse? Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a really good question. Um, but I, I think whenever we can, um, show a youth, um, a different alternative or a different perspective, I think we're, we're, we're almost like breathing a breath of life into that, that, that young person. Mm-hmm. Not all, mm-hmm. of them, not all of them are going to listen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for several years, we, we did a, um, we, we took kids up to San Quentin prison and it wasn't a scare straight type thing to try to scare them, but we wanted to show them what it was like to be an inmate for a day. And, um, they have a phenomenal program at San Quentin where the kids actually come in. Uh, and I, I think Mike, you may have come with us on one of those. I'm not sure if you, if you have, or if you hadn't, um, but, um, the kids are basically an inmate for a day yeah. and, um, you know, they eat the food, they are assigned to sell, they um, eat with the inmates, they talk to the inmates, but it's, it's really designed to try to get them to realize that regardless of what you see on TV, regardless of what uh, Takashi 6 9 or whatever one of these rappers mm-hmm. rap about, prison is not cool. 
not a place that you want to be. It's it, uh, for another grown man to be telling you when you can take a shower, when to get up, when to go, when to go down, bend over, spread your cheeks. It's, it's not a cool place to be. And you have a lot of young people that are really misled and, 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 and have a wrong uh, impression of what that life is all about. Um, you know, everybody want to be, uh, everybody is down until um, something actually goes down. <laughs> and um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of young people that are being misinformed. Not all of them are going to listen, but uh, I think whenever we can try to um, do something positive to show you um, another way, uh, that might just be the thing that motivates that, that, that young person. So, you know, we can't give up. Um, even though it, it, you know, the room may seem dark, uh, you have to just keep keep fighting the good fight. Well, those are some good words, brother. And, and I, I always say we're never defeated until we accept defeat as a reality. You know, when when we think about uh, what has to happen, we need to clearly understand that uh, he who writes the story uh, dictates the uh, the history. And until we start making sure that we define ourselves, and especially our youth, uh, from a different narrative, uh, we're going to keep getting what we see in these communities. So many people benefit off the destruction of, uh, of, of, of not only people of color, but marginalized people, whether they be black, brown, white, uh, Asian, I can go on and on and on. When you look at the prison industrial complex, when we look at the corporate nature of America and how it operates, and most of our schools are training our young adults to fill that corporate void, they're not telling them or training them to be uh, superior educational uh, 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 elites, they're training them to feel a corporate structure uh, mm -hmm. that is going to drive the the economic base of America. Mm -hmm. When you look at uh, what the prison does, it's supposed to be a real, a real, a real, a real, a real ability. I can't even say it. My words are spinning. When it's supposed to rehabilitate our young adults, are the prisoners in there? But yet, it basically teaches them how to stamp license plates, how to build uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, fundamentals that corporate structures use. And then now that they're privatizing the prison, too, let me assure you, those prisons have to be filled in order for them prisons to make money. Mm -hmm. So I do agree with you holistically, both you and Bilal, in the terms that we've got to look at it from a constructive perspective. Um, you know, we, we most people think it's a lack of time. It's not the lack of time. It's a lack of direction. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure that we're putting those directional forums uh, in place. And I would say this, you know, we need to stop marching and stop uh, uh, rallying and need to sit down at strategic think tank tables mm -hmm. and start developing the processes that uh, we're going to utilize to move uh, forward with our youth, our young adults, and their traumatized parents and those that are supposed to be leading them. Until we build those, uh, uh, those system-driven processes and make sure our children can get in those processes and drive those processes, then somebody else is going to be driving that car. I always say we can't be wondering generalities, but we got to be meaningful Specifics. Mm -hmm. And so those strategic think tanks, bringing our best experts that we have in our communities to the table and making sure we implement a community driven process and quit being volunteer victims and letting everybody else tell us where we need to go in our communities. Uh, if you don't drive it, somebody else will drive it. It's mm -hmm. old saying that, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't program life, life will program you. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going on right now. Yeah, and I think it's only right that we address this issue about this administration that, that's, that's basically, I mean, of course, we don't have much time to address it in whole, but, you know, you know, we, we wanted to touch up on that, that subject matter, you know, with basically our own president, you know, calling LeBron James stupid. And basically, and I think it's just another, another one of these things that is put out to to degrade or, or put down something that is very positive. You know, we see an individual that come forward and, you know, basically use his money to revitalize the educational system and, and to actually put money back into the community, but yet we have our own president that actually calls him stupid. I can't see, of course, no form of that being stupid. And then refer to Michael Jordan, who actually took a step back on that and basically said, I support LeBron James, which was very vague, but we knew we, he wasn't going to respond to it, you know, um, 
he wasn't going to, you know, fully respond to that because, of course, you know, you know, money. Um, and so I think it's only right that we address that issue because when we have our young adults and, and they have individuals that they look up to, but then I think they get conflicted, you know, and, and sometimes they, you know, and, and sometimes this is what we, when we do put things out there in a positive form, we always have someone to come up, especially this administration, to try to put a damper on it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that we have to constantly address issues like that to let our youth know that we, have, we stand by this, we, st we, we stand by you, we have your back. LeBron James, you keep doing what you're doing and you keep pushing for the community and, 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 and um, educational system, you know. Yeah. Well, well, look, again, back to the root cause. You gotta realize what Trump is doing. Trump came under a system uh, that constituted a privilege and eliteness. The, the people that he had to deal with throughout that system, which made him great economically, et cetera, uh, he kept them and continuously put them in a very inferior derogatory role. And so when you see somebody challenging the systematic structure, which I talked about earlier, a systematic structure is a structure that has for its uh, polities, its, its rules, its procedures, a system which inherently keeps either a person, a corporation, or people in control of that dynamic. Mm -hmm. So when you see a person like President Trump, and I wish he was at this table, we would have a frank-to-frank -frank conversation, but uh, <laughs> when you see a person like him that has delivered his whole hope, greatness, and wealth on a system that inferiorly casts people in a, a negative arena, especially people of color, he's going to keep instituting that. He doesn't want to lose his uh, uh, level of eliteness, so he's going to do anything he can to reinforce that, and people of that mindset, people who don't understand that their privilege gives them an up on the average individual are going to make sure they uh, in, do everything possible to keep that privilege. Some people don't even realize they have privilege and think this is a normality and everybody's operating off the same cuff. So if I am that privileged individual and here you come Rosa and Bilal telling me that my privilege is not warranted, that we need to do something to break that privilege so others can benefit. I'm going to become defensive in nature. Yeah. Now, in Trump's case, he has become so defensive because he thinks, uh, because he's a narcissist, that he has that ability uh, because he's used it all his life, and that is his normal. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue to see what we got. Why are we sitting here waiting for people who have a corrupted mindset and a heart to change the dynamic and the direction, as opposed to us taking the lead role and changing our own dynamic mm -hmm. and not waiting for anybody to change the structure of the system? Mm -hmm. That's what we used to to right, do right. back in the day yeah mm -hmm. exactly right, right, right. exactly I, I just think that I just think that whenever we address with when there's certain things that is put out to the media I just want to you know I want it to be known that our youth are listening yes they are they're yeah. listening they constantly listening and if we don't do something to combat that you know they they listen to this and they they um, incorporate it into their lives you know I mean Rosie you know you as a youth you know growing up looking at and seeing and hearing things across the media a lot of times media have a tendency to shape our youth right you know yes and, and I think that this platform you know and and that was the reason for me bringing it up is that this is the platform where we have to get it out to our youth and let them know that this is of course this is unacceptable but this is not us. We're bigger than this. Yeah. And you know? don't we have to do that, Bilal, uh, instead of uh, telling people or waiting for them to change their ways and how their perception of us uh, is put out there, we have to, to change, change that perception. That's what you're doing. Exactly. That's what our brother's doing with the program. That's what Brother Zulu Ali is doing, trying mm -hmm. to run the successions of programs he is running with mm -hmm. our youth, the stop and frisk, etc. It's going to take a community-driven process to change that dynamic. Look, perception is your reality. Mm -hmm. The perception that we bring to the table, whatever is out there, if we don't change that perception, yeah. we that are being perceived in this light, shame on us, not the people exactly. that is putting the perception out there. Mm -hmm. I always tell people all the time, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, your uh, perception of me is none of my business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the perception I have of myself and what I do to bring that out. That's what we got to do for our youth. Exactly. What was Wow. Yeah, and I feel like the, this this whole comment, you know, coming out um, is kind of like exposing a, um, 
an issue, a systematic issue that is mm -hmm. within our system. It's, it's that issue in the alt-right, if I may mention, the fact that this, this scientific racism, you know, the fact that they, the claim that there is a link between race and intelligence is actually a theory, it's actually a concept, is something that is coming out through a presidential, you know, figure it is quite alarming. Yeah. You know, because I feel like growing up, I would read that on a book. I would read that on articles. I would read that of people actually thinking, coming out and saying, hey, this person is inferior to me because it's scientifically proving that they're inferior. And to me, it's like, oh, well, that was a concept before. And now I see it on TV, mm -hmm. in yeah. the media, you know, mm -hmm. and, and as a young one, I feel like it, it kind of disillusions me at times to see that people out there, you know, mm -hmm. in our Congress, people out there in our government are actually going out there and saying these things about minorities, yeah. saying these things about people, you know, and it's, yeah, it's truly alarming. Mm -hmm. So you wonder why we don't have, why we have dysfunctionists everywhere, <laughs> because we have a dysfunctional administration. Well, I have a thought on that, but I want to hear my brother. It's his time, and yeah. I, I, I love what he's bringing to the table, so he might have some last words uh, he wants to uh, bring. Edwin? Oh, you're talking about? Yes. yes sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you, you know what? Um, you know, my, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, man, because, um, you know, when you, when you talk about, um, you know, the administration that's currently in there and, you know, people always talk about, well, you know, um, you know, that are surprised at some of the things that he says. <laughs> um, and, and, and I don't think they really should be surprised. Agreed, um, agreed. Know, <laughs> everybody's always, you know, so, so, so surprised. Well, look what he said about this, or look what he said about that, or he didn't, he didn't condemn this, or he didn't condemn that. I mean, he, he, that man is going to be who he is, you know. Um, that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. But I think what, what's really important and what, what speaks louder is the fact that when he did um, – you know, talk about LeBron, you know, LeBron didn't say anything back, you know, and I, I think that that in itself, you know, the fact that he didn't say anything back, he didn't go back and forth uh, with this man um, is, uh, it, it speaks louder than him actually, you know, if he would have came off and said something. Um, I, I just think that, that that's the response that um, that is needed. I mean, only because you know, um, that man is going to think what he wants to believe. You know, he's going to believe what he wants to mm -hmm. believe. You know, he's not going to change. Uh, but I think, you know, as long as uh, LeBron is doing and those like him are doing um, uh, w the work that they're doing within the community, um, just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, because mm -hmm. like I said, his, his perception is not going to change. There's nothing I, I believe that, that can be done to change his perception. Um, you know, um, even when you, when you talk about the NFL and, 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 um, you know, the guys pro you know, the, the players protesting, um, social injustice, you know, That's he right. twisted it around, he That's twisted right. it around so bad and made it seem like, you know, we're just, they disrespecting the flag and, mm. you know, they're, they're, they're against the country. And it was never about that. Mm. It was never about that. Exactly. You know, it was all about all the things that it was about. He turned it around and made it seem like it was about something totally different to try to get people to to hate what you know hate the players and hate what's going on so i mean i i think at the end of the day man you know um people aren't stupid people know people know what what's going on people know um you know what what the real is and and it's just it's just so Im important man that people you know just get out there and, and vote and you know um because you know this is just the true uh, it shows you that, you know, if you don't vote, what can happen, you know? Um, you know, it's just, it's, just so, it's just so important that people, uh, you know, get out there and, you know, uh, give back to the com community. Uh, your vote is your voice. Uh, make sure you vote. Make sure you, um, you know, you do what you're supposed to do within the community because uh, it does speak volumes. Well, i just say one thing, and I know we're about to end. You know, in the case of LeBron, I think you bring a, a, a good point, my brother. Um, you know, our children learn by what they see and not what we uh, say. Mm -hmm. And if you look at most of the comments uh, that were uh, in response to the LeBron uh, situation, most people referred back to the fact that 
well, he's building a school, but yet, Trump, you're detaining people in cages. Mm -hmm. So people look at the actions, and as long as the actions warrant the direction, uh, we're going we're gonna to be able to navigate through this, uh, through this uh, for lack of a better word, madness. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of Justice Watch with Attorney Zulu Ali. I'm Michael Bilal Clark with the Justice Watch crew with Rosa Nunez and Dr. Akil Bashir sitting in for Zulu Ali. Please tune in next week, same time, same channel. Until next week, stay blessed. CAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.